to, uh, it's good to have Pastor uh, Jerry and his wife Sylvia Shannon here with us tonight, Carrie's parents. You can clap. Come on, don't be a reluctant clapper. It's Carrie's parents, and they pastor over in Surrey, Virginia. New Harvest Christian Life Ministries is, is their church, and uh, so if you know anybody that lives over in Surrey, you need to send them over their way because they're just great people, and it's a, uh, it's a great. We're in for a treat tonight because if you've been tracking with us for any amount of time, you know that we've made a 10-year commitment to a community in the Dominican Republic. We started a couple of years ago, and, uh, and, and we were partnering with Food for the Hungry, and there's a journey that you have to go on with them. They, they, they need to make sure that you're going to follow through. Does that make sense? And so they kind of, as a church, they give you some goals. And one of the goals is you've got to get to a level of sponsorship. I think it's about 50, 50 children that you've got to sponsor in a community. And so we broke through that threshold. And uh, the next step would, would be to send a team. And we just sent our first team out to the Dominican Republic this year. And uh, I know it's good. And so they're going to be sharing tonight about that trip. Different people are going to be sharing about their experience. For some of you, this is brand new for you. So you're going to learn something about our church that's part of who we are. It's important to us. And, uh, and so I'm going to invite Carrie Shannon to come at this time. She led that team. And if you were here uh, just uh, a week or so ago, we had people come up. And she's going to be uh, overseeing our partnership with Food for the Hungry. So can you give Carrie a warm city life welcome? Thank you. It is an absolute privilege for me to be here tonight with the team. I'm going to ask the team if they would please stand up so that you can all see who they were. This was an amazing group of people. Awesome. So look around. Make sure you, you see these people because I want you to talk to them later on. So, okay, you guys can sit down. Thanks. Um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the team themselves because it was my honor to lead this 14 group of 14 that went. And I just have to say that this was a team that represented City Life well. Um, they went with an attitude to serve and that's exactly what they did. We didn't know what to expect. It was the first team to go in. We didn't have a lot of input as to what we were going to be doing, what we we're going to be expecting. So we kind of had some ideas and we went with it. Um, and we had to adjust along the way. And um, every step of the way, the attitude of this team, of every single person on this team was, whatever you need, whatever I can do. And so I, I was so blessed as the leader to be able to lead a team that that attitude was through the whole group. I do want to say there's a superstar that I have to point out. She was kind of special to me. Um, and that was actually Donna. <laughs> Donna was actually the oldest member of our team, but you would never know it. She was in the middle of everything. So anything we did, she'd be like, well, I've never done that before, but okay. And I don't know how many times we heard her say that, like, well, I've never done that before, but okay. And um, she just blessed all of us, just her being there, her support, her involvement in everything. So. Donna, I just want to say thank you for going. It was awesome. So um, throughout our time tonight, you're going to hear different people giving kind of different snapshots of our trip tonight, um, of our trip. They're going to say it tonight, that's what I was trying to say. Um, and so the first one you're going to hear from is actually Emmanuel, who is the youngest member of our team. <laughs> 
And again, this one was a superstar as well, because he was the youngest member of our team, and when we first started, he was the only male member of our team. Eventually, we had a few more guys jump in, but he was, from the beginning, his attitude was so great. He's like, whatever, you know, so we love this guy, and the kids adored him. So I'm going to let him share a little bit of his story. Um, to start, I'd like to thank the team. Um, it was really great just to have those certain people surrounding us. I couldn't ask for anybody better. Um, but on this trip, um, I started to grasp uh, how privileged the whole team was to start. I mean, I just started to grasp um, how privileged I am to serve as the hands and feet of God. And um, just reaching the people that were there. Um, when I was there, I got to love on babies the whole time. <laughs> and um, God puts a certain love in each one of our hearts um, that even though like we didn't speak the same language, like that love was greater to communicate than any language that um, anybody could speak. Um, but being on the mountain with no distractions and your mind clearly focused on God, you um, begin to realize how worthless a lot of material things are. And you start to see um, how happy these car kids are without any other stuff I have, but just the love that we show them makes them so happy through Christ. Um, but the miracles that were set up for, like there were so many miracles along the way, like to be honest, I shouldn't even had the opportunity to go on the trip just because of the finances in my family. But just the miracles set up one after another. Um, and I know you guys, by your faith promises and your offering, um, helped me to go on the trip and put a new passion in my heart for just the people there. So thank you. So for those of you who don't know me, I'm Mike Weaver. I was a late addition to the trip. Um, Dave Dye and I kind of signed up like, what, a month beforehand, and our, our whole reason for going was construction. Um, we wanted to serve people. That was our thing. Um, so one of the things um, that really stuck, about, or stuck out about the construction is that's a way that our team really bonded. Um, there's something to be said for bonding um, when you're working for the Lord, and that was something that really just became huge while we were over there. You know, I formed better relationships with people on the team, but also with the two contractors that were working with us. Um, as a military guy, it's a little uh, humbling to say that a 60-year-old man and another 40-year-old man outworked me, but these two contractors did. Um, awesome dudes, awesome stories, and just being able to work there, to learn their stories, and then to see this, or hear the stories of the people was just amazing. Um, Tim Rogers and I had joked a lot that we were going to go over and build 10 latrines and knock the record out of the water, and you know what? We built, what, four or five? Um, at the end of the day, it was less about the actual construction and more about the relationships formed. And uh, when you can truly see a woman who comes up to you after you've just built a latrine that's going to help kind of change her life, and she gives you one of the few crops that she's been able to get out of that season that has just been a terrible farming season for them, it is truly a humbling experience. So what I would say to you is that for those who go in the future, the construction is awesome. It's a fun part. It's great to get your hands dirty. I loved every second of it, but it's really about the relationships 
both with the team members that you build and also with those family members. So. That construction wouldn't happen without Tim and Mike. They really spearheaded that and jumped right in. That's why I couldn't talk about the construction because they did so much with it. And uh, it was so great to see. We had breaks from the kids, and they would see us out there building the latrines from everybody. I mean, they saw, you know, all these girls. We looked around. You know, I saw, you know, you got Courtney and Caroline and Abby and these little girls, and they were just getting, getting dirty, building all these latrines, working just as hard as anybody else. It was incredible. And the little kids would come up, and they would try to help us carry the cinder blocks. And we really showed them the example that even though we had all this, we were willing to, you know, get down on our hands and feet and really serve God. And one of the other things that we had to do that was a great opportunity is we got to do the home visits. And so I sponsored my child. My sponsor child was named Eddie. And it was so incredible to take, you know, you have this picture on this card, and you always wonder, you know, is this a real kid, you know, or is this just a... And it was so great to actually meet Eddie and meet his family. They invite us into, our, into their home and to meet his father and his brother, see where they live and just kind of discuss. And they really just, even though they don't have much, they really do just have such a generous spirit and they give so much. Eddie's father is a leader in the community and he's clearly blind in one eye, has a lot of physical ailments and just trying to provide for his family. You can tell a hard life of labor has really kind of beat him down, and he was constantly just, you know, we really want to get to here. We're giving excuses for where the community is, but we, we really want to get to here, and I had to take him back and say, no, like, I've looked around, and I've seen so much love in this community and so much generosity. They really did define the have less to give more, and, and Eddie was just an incredible kid. He, uh, I gave him three little race cars, and he just defined exactly that. He uh, was playing around with some kids, and the other kids were playing with the other two, and he was just like, yeah, you know what, I only need one. You guys can have the other two, you know? So you just think of the generosity that's, that's in this community, and it, it's incredible. We are very blessed to have the community that we're sponsoring, and I can't wait to go back. I would encourage anybody that is sponsoring a child in this church to get on one of these groups and actually meet your child face-to-face. -face. It'll really change your life. So this was my first mission trip ever, um, and it was the most incredible experience I've ever had in my life. Um, I did a lot with the VBS for the kids, and it was just incredible to work with them and to be able to... Um, like speak to them and like kind of introduce what God actually is because for them what we learned was God's more of like a superstitious kind of thing um, if you did something wrong you were going to get in trouble for it and so we wanted to kind of show them that God is love and he does things out of love um, and it was just one of those things like being able to sit with the kids and like talk to them and draw with them because they loved to color and um, for me that's what I like to do I like to draw so I'm not very good at speaking Spanish so I couldn't really, like, physically communicate with them, but being able to, like, sit on the ground and, like, sit there with a the crayon and be able to be, like, these pictures could help me communicate with the kids. Um, it was just a different experience, and they love to sing, so the songs, and Inez did a great job with teaching them the songs and singing with them, um, and they loved David. They adored David. <laughs> um, but for me, it was just an incredible experience to be able to actually um, be with the kids 
and coming back, my heart, this is a piece that stayed with them. Um, and I really feel like God is calling me to be somewhere like that, not necessarily if it's that community especially, but I know that I have a heart for that. And I know that there's just something in me. And I just, ever since when we were there and coming back, I'm just kind of like anxious as to know like what's next, like what do I need to do? Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I um hi my name is Jenna and hi um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, what else we did you know we had the construction that was definitely um, an integral part of us going there and we did the VBS during the daytime but we also wanted to really reach the community and so one of the things that the team decided on doing was um, is offering programs in the evening that would affect and help everyone and just draw us closer to the community. So um, one of the things that we found out before we left was that the um, community was big domino players. And let me tell you, they chucked them down. So we got a whole bunch of dominoes, and we decided that one night they were going to play some dominoes. So um, I remember um, watching Rebecca and some of the other teammates. Um, they had asked our translator for a quick you know, like rundown, like how do you play dominoes? Because we have no clue how to play dominoes. Well, let me tell you, the domino tournament that happened the one night, it went on forever. <laughs> they were dragging out tables. All of a sudden, 5,000 chairs came out of nowhere. The entire community came down, um, and they were slamming these dominoes like they were professionals. Um, I, on the other hand, who have no clue how to play dominoes, I was at the Jenga table. <laughs> Come on. And so we brought Jenga to this community, and it was great, again, for some of the younger um, girls, even some of the older gentlemen, um, to just come around this table and be able to build something that, again, like Abby was saying, didn't take words, didn't need words. Um, but it was just a great to have a game night with them. So that was one of the nights. Now, we... Two of the nights, unbeknownst to us, the community was so grateful um, for a team coming from America that they actually had nights for us. Um, one of the first nights when they got there, they actually had everybody in the entire community lined up along this wall. And you'll see from these pictures, we were in the mountains, which was like a hill on a hill on a hill. It was uphill both ways, trust me. <laughs> and um, they had everybody all lined up for us and they would do this community thing for us. And even the first night, they asked us all to come back out and um, they just stood there just applauding us and just so grateful for us coming all the way from America to their little village. And um, the last night we were there, they did almost the same thing. They had like a goodbye for us and they offered fruit punch and cookies and, um, but really just took a moment to say how grateful they were. And it was just such an honoring moment knowing that we were developing friendships and we're developing a relationship with this community that's not stopping. And it's not based on a dollar bill that I send in the mail every month. It's based off relationship and just doing life with these people across the sea. So the other night, um, we decided, since the guys had game night, that the girl, the woman, we were going to do something fun with them. So we decided to do a paint your nail night. And let me tell you, again, I don't know if they got the woman from the next door village or what. But next thing you know, there was like 100 women all lined up to get their nails painted. And um, that was one of the moments when Donna was like, um, geez, I, I never painted nails before, but yeah. I could do that, sure. So we gave her a little bag of nail polish and she went down and went to town. And um, these women were, they loved it. They absolutely adored it. And again, not a lot of communication was needed, but just that you were taking time with them. 
But the biggest night that I really want to talk about um, was an unexpected night. And what had happened, this was on a Thursday of our trip, so we're kind of coming towards the end of our trip. Um, and Thursday, the construction team had gone down to um, build one of the latrines during the day. And by the grace of God, ah, it rained. Oh darn, I was so sad. There was no construction done that day. But what had happened was we were actually in this house with this gentleman that we were supposed to build the um, latrine for. And we sat there for 40 minutes talking because there was nothing else we could do. It was raining. And one of the translators was talking to this gentleman and as he was talking, he started talking about who God was in his life. And as they were sharing earlier to them, God is more superstitious. God is the higher entity that brings the rain if he likes them, and if he doesn't like them, he's not going to bring the rain, right? And so as um, he was talking, I realized that this guy had really no clue who God was. Now, we, during VBS, were showing that God was love to the kids, but I'm like, these adults don't know who God is. They don't know God as the healer. God is the miracle worker. God, who is the I am in every situation. And so that night at dinner, we had planned another game night for that evening. Um, and at dinner, we were sitting there talking, and all of a sudden, I said, wait a minute. I'm like, Carrie, this is an unreached people group. This isn't something that you read about in a book. It's like, oh, it's only in the 1040, you know, longitude. Like, this is an unreached people group. And so in a moment's notice, we decided to scrap our entire plan for the evening, and we decided to do a skit. And this is your basic drama skit of Genesis to Revelations <laughs> done by your City Life team. <laughs> and, come on, let me tell you, the entire community came out. Chairs, kids, adults, the entire community. And in that moment, and we were doing the stuff on the fly. We're like, all right, what do we want to talk about? We want to talk about Adam. We want to talk about, we want to talk about Moses and the Ten Commandments. We want to talk about Jesus, who ended up being Emmanuel. Hallelujah. And let me tell you, and we were throwing the skit together like, I don't know what, but let me tell you, the, they loved it. The community had never seen anything like this before, right? And so we finished off with the skit, which of course was a little hysterical. Do you guys want to see it? Oh, just, just kidding, just kidding, okay. <laughs> You're gonna have to go on the next trip to see it. Um, but it was totally hysterical, right? But it was totally God. And at the end of this, we knew that there was a moment, like we are calling people up to accept Christ because the time was now. And so they had split us off in the groups and a couple of us went with some women, a couple of us went, the men went with the men, we had some kids praying up front um, with some adults, all the kids came up front, and we just said, hey, if you wanna accept Christ, go to these groups. And let me tell you, like, I, can't even, I can't even put into words the feeling it is when you have women come rushing up to you and they say to you, I wanna know this God that you're talking about. You know, and tears are streaming down their face, right? Who is this guy that you're talking about? Yeah, you can clap. Sorry, Pastor Fred. You can clap for that. That's good. That's good. <laughs> and it was in that moment that we knew that, as they were saying before, it wasn't about the latrine building. It wasn't about his painting nails. It wasn't about his playing the games, even though that was fun. It was really about being the hands and feet of Christ, and it was about the love of Christ and how he loves everybody near and far. Tim, come on. <laughs> and as you can tell from the, the, the testimonies of the group, it was just an amazing time. Uh, one of the things that uh, it was briefly mentioned that they, they were having a hard uh, harvest. There was no rain. Um, and one of the things that, you know, God just being God, who he is, uh, as we are going up 
the mountain on the last part of the trip, as we're traveling in the bus, guess what starts happening? It starts to rain. So God softened the heart of the people right there at that moment. He softened the ground. It wasn't hard. It wasn't a hard task for us to show God is love to these people. We did it right out, of the, right out of the gate. It started to rain. Out of the seven days we were there, it rained five days. It was beautiful. We got in, got our work in in the morning, in the afternoon. It would come. It would rain for a couple hours. We got to sit in people's houses and talk. That gentleman that uh, uh, Jenna was talking about, we were, we were talking to him, and I'm a good guy. You know, I'm, I, and he firmly believed that, and he, he truly was a good guy. But he was sharing some of his heartbreak over the years. Had, I believe it was five boys. One of them died of uh, alcoholism, cirrhosis of the liver. And he, so he was talking to about us. You know, he's got heartache, and his kids are sitting there listening to him talk. And we just got to share, you know, God loves you. God has a plan for you. And, and that evening, you know, as the groups were coming up, I mean, there must have been 30 kids come up uh, to accept Christ. There must have been, I forget how many women went over there, and then at the guys' group were standing there for a second, and, and nothing's happening. And we're like, okay, this is somewhat frustrating, but God is good, right? Look at all the thing that's happening right now. And, and Mike just said, you know what, let's just huddle up real quick, and let's just start to pray. So before we even got a word out, we, we circled up. People were breaking into our circle. You know, pray with me. You know, t tell me about this Jesus that you know. And that man came up and accepted Christ. How cool is that? So, Food for the Hungry, uh, let me just talk about what they do. So Wednesday, we had the opportunity to go to communities that are a little bit further ahead than where we're, we're at right now. Currently, we're in the stage of building some latrines, of much needing uh, meeting people where they're at and the organization as a whole they go to all these different communities and they meet with the leaders and they find out what is your what is your immediate needs what do you what do you need in this community and they listen to the leaders and then they formulate a plan but the one thing that I came away with when we went to these other communities is and talking with Carlos uh, who is our guide basically for the food for the hungry is is they need the buy-in from the community it's not a it's not a, uh, just a handout program. They have to be bought into what's happening there. Before we showed up to build the latrines, they literally had to dig a hole themselves. The people that were getting the latrines had to dig the hole themselves. It was 25 foot deep and about six to eight foot in circumference. Now that's a massive hole. And to think of how they did it, I actually, one of the guys dropped something in the bottom of that thing and then he had to go fish it out, so they throw this little ladder down, of which I wouldn't step on in a million years, the way that thing was constructed. But they throw a rope down there, and they pull it up, and brought up a little bucket of like a paint can, plastic. That's how they dug that hole. Bucket at a time, bucket at a time. So they are truly invested in what they're getting. So it's not a handout program. They've got it uh, work for what they get. So we get to see a community, we go to a community where they're a little bit further ahead, where they've established a school. And they had this amazing school teacher that is actually training one of the local community girls to be that teacher. But he, it's, it, and they pick kids in the community, they ask the leaders, who are some of your uh, hard kids, some of your harder to reach kids, some of the kids that might have some, some issues, some of the kids that need a little extra attention. And then they, they're the first group that gets in to go to this school. And we get to go there, and, and, and he's, 
there's memory verses on the, on, the, on the wall, and he's teaching them values. He's talking about Pinocchio, and the word of the day was companion in Spanish, of course. I didn't, whatever it was, Jenna. But it, it, was, it was the idea of picking your right friends and putting good people around you. And he's reading this thing. And I'm listening, and he had my attention. He's, he's you know, got the voice inflection, and, he's, and he talks real slow, but not a kid in there wasn't paying attention to what he said. And then he'd have them recite back, you know, what I just say. And they, I mean, like, it was very military-like. I loved it. It was fantastic. And so we got a chance to go out and talk with him a little bit after he got done speaking or, or teaching, and he let his assistants kind of take over. And, and I just felt God tell me, pray for him right now. So I took, we took the opportunity to just say, hey, brother, uh, Francisco, I want to pray for you. I just want to pray for you and, and, and tell you what, you know, is on my heart. And I just prayed for, for, you know, just strengthening of his heart, that he wouldn't get weak and, and struggle, that he wouldn't, that he just would be strengthened for the work that he's doing. And here's this big man. I mean, just melts down, you know, and God, he needed to lift me up. But it was the coolest thing to be used by God, just a simple prayer on my end, but what that did for him emotionally, what that did for him spiritually, you know, it was just an awesome thing to witness. So then we went to the next village, and uh, they were further along. So they had not only the, the latrines built, uh, the school built, but they had a water treatment plant that they had brought in. And again, not a handout thing. They're not cheap. I think it was $15,000. But the community themselves has to raise some of the money and then Food for the Hungry partners with another organization that brings in the water filtration system. And the cool thing about it is they train two people within the community that they run the system. They maintain it, they maintenance it, and they run it. They open it up like three days a week, and the community themselves have to pay $3 a month for unlimited water. So they come in, they fill up clean water, they take it back to their communities. And, and so, again, it's all practical things that this organization and then what we're going to be doing for the future, they teach people how to do raised gardens. They eventually, some of them get irrigation systems. I mean, the list is endless, but it's based on the community. It's not a cookie or a cookie cutter thing. It's based on what that community's needs are, which I think is just an absolute fabulous thing to do. So uh, things that we can do, and it, it just made my mind race and think about, okay, all these things, and, and what really triggered it for me was how simplistic it needs to be for us here back home, is uh, uh, Juice and Steph's, the, the, the child that they, they uh, uh, sponsor, you know, Steph asked him on the visit, you know, what, what's, your favorite, what's your favorite animal? And he tells, she tells, well, it's a pig. Pig, why a pig? Well, I get to play with it, and when it gets older, I get to eat it. <laughs> right? How cool is that? But, but think about how practical that is. I mean, that, that's, that's where they're at. When you ask to pray for some, you know, what can I pray for you? You know, just pray for my health so I can get up and go to work to provide for my family the next day. That's pretty humbling. And when you see the, the practical things that we can be doing here back home for them, and it could be simple... Well, we're a praying church, so let's continue to pray. Okay, let's pray for a pastor for that community. There are a lot of people over there that, that need, now need some leadership. 
So what we can be doing as a church is praying for that pastor. There was a pastor that was actually going to that community, uh, but it didn't work out. But there's somebody ready to go. And, and, and we just need to pray that, that God finds that person, whoever it is, and they get there quickly. You know, we pray for the people that gave their lives to Christ, that they will read their Bibles. And, and, and the other thing, practically, guess what? We got to get them Bibles. No, a lot of nobody has them. We went over there, we gave some out, but then, again, just not thinking practically, but we got to do a Bible drive, and we got to get them Bibles. You know, there's, there's things we can do on our end that's simple on our end, but makes a major impact on their end. So, as a church, let's just pray for those things. Let's be practical. Harry's going to be putting some stuff together over the next year that we can be practical and help these people out. Awesome. Yeah, you know, it was really um, fascinating, I guess, in some ways. We, we were staying in a church building that had been built by the Catholic Church um, about two months before we went out there. Um, there was no Catholic priest. There was one who would come once a month to do Mass, and that was the entire church presence that they had in that village. That was it. So, um, as Tim was saying, there was a pastor that had planned to come and plant um, an evangelical church there, um, but that fell through, and so there is nothing there. But what did happen that night that we had um, the opportunity to pray for some of the people in the community, some of the women who came up were saying that they asked us to pray for them for um, the ability to stand strong in their faith when there was no church. And um, so we had the opportunity to pray for them, but also to encourage them that you know, they don't need a pastor and a church building to be the church. And so we really had the opportunity to encourage them, you have Bibles, get together and start studying the Word. That's, that's it. That's all you need. You have God, you have the Word, you have each other, you have church. And so, um, and so being able to pray into that, you know, that for us as City Life, you know, we need to pray that that now multiplies that's all God needs. He can start from that little seed and grow. And so um, just for us to have that amazing privilege to be able to pray for them and see that happen, that was really great. So um, I just wanted to tell you a little bit about what's going to happen now from here. Um, we're already planning the next trip. So I just want to encourage anybody who has been thinking, wow, I might actually want to do this. Um, or maybe thinking, I don't know if I can do this. Um, first of all, I want to say that you can. Um, we had a 14-year-old, and we had someone who was a little bit older, um, and everyone in between. We had every kind of, um, we were talking even before we left about how we were the broken team, because there were so many physical things happening for all of us. We had back issues, migraines, all kinds of stuff. And, um, but you know what, it didn't stop God. And the team that went, we were the ones who were supposed to go. So God knew, and he called us, and he provided for us, and it was an amazing experience for all of us. So I just wanna encourage you, if you think that you might actually wanna go, um, we're gonna have somebody from the team's gonna be out in the lobby before you leave today. If you just write down your name and email address, and we'll keep you in the loop. 
about when the next team is going to happen, and um, we'll have some details in the next couple months about that. And I would encourage you, really pray about it. I think every person in here, at least everyone who sponsors a child, should try to go. And even those who aren't able to sponsor a child, if you try to go, I guarantee you God will make a way. So as a church, we're committed to it, and I think that, you know what, it's an amazing opportunity. It's just the best thing you can do. Not everybody can go every time, but over the next several years, we'll be doing several trips. So just kind of have that in your head. At some point, I want to go and let God direct your steps through that. So I just want to let you know that is going to be happening. Um, we've formed a team that's going to be kind of managing the relationship now that we have with this village. So we'll have probably a couple of projects that'll be happening throughout the year. And we'll be keeping you informed in that. And um, being able to just um, keep the sponsors a little bit more involved um, than we have in the past couple of years. We'll just some more communication with that will be happening. We hope to have some stuff on the website, so you'll be able to check things out a little bit more. And um, yeah, so that's what's going to be happening. And yes, before you leave today, one of the things that we did, um, we had... Um, we had the kids do drawings for everyone in the church. So we have for everyone tonight, um, before you leave, you can get those on the way out the door, we have a little drawing that was done by a child in the village. Now, it may not be your sponsored kid, because we couldn't actually figure out whose kid was whose. <laughs> um, and not everybody that did the drawings were sponsored kids. But, um, but we wanted you to have something in your hands that reminds you of the children in this village. And, um, and I'll tell you what, they were so delighted to do it. I just, it was hilarious. They'd been doing drawings all week, but when we said, hey, would you guys mind maybe doing a drawing for, for the church back in Virginia? And they, they just, they immediately stopped, threw away what they were doing, got out a brand new piece of paper and started drawing. So these are intentionally for you. So. Um, yeah, so I just want you to make sure everybody, at least every family, gets one of these on the way out and stick it on your refrigerator or somewhere where you're going to remember to pray. And that's it. And they have plenty of those drawings, so make sure that you get one. And we really want you to do that. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it somewhere where you're going to remember to pray for this community every day and one of the and we're going to do it right now and then i'm going to share a little bit more but uh, we want to pray that, uh, that god's going to call a pastor to that community there's somebody in the world that god's going to speak to and we talked about acts uh, chapter 16 not too long ago we were talking about paul's missionary journeys you know how they set out to go to one place and then paul has a vision this man from macedonia uh, comes to him in a vision and pleads for Paul to come and bring the gospel. Uh, and then that's how all those churches got planted in modern-day Greece. And so uh, so let's just pray now, and then I'm, I'm, God's going to give you things to pray for, but I want to ask you that that be one of the things that you pray for every day, that God's going to speak to somebody about being a pastor in that community. Father, we lift up this neighborhood to you, this village, this community of people, God, that that, uh, that you, by providence, the work of providence, that you have brought us together. 
us here in Virginia and them there in the Dominican Republic. We thank you for food for the hungry, God. We thank you for the work that they're doing, God. And, and we just, we pray that there is going to be a, a vision from, from the man from Macedonia, but this is going to be the vision from the man from the Dominican Republic that, that God, you're going to give somebody a vision and a calling to go and give their lives to pastor in that community. That, that, that somebody on this earth, God, you gave them breath. You gave them life. You put them on this planet because their purpose is to go there and pastor those people. And we say, God, let it be that over these 10 years that we've got a commitment with them, that we're going to see that pastor called. We're going to see those schools built. We're going to see those churches built. We're going to see those water filtration systems put in, God. We're going to see the, the, uh, the latrines completed. We're going to see a, a village that's going to get to a place of, of, of thriving economically and also spiritually, that your kingdom is going to be established there. In Jesus' name, come on and everybody said together, amen, amen. So I want to, with the time that we have left, I just, I wanted to share some things I felt like God just put on, on my heart for us as a, as a church and then just kind of weave it in and out with what my journey has been like this week. And so I got a call uh, last Saturday morning from my mom. My dad had advanced uh, stage Parkinson's with what's called Lewy's Body's Disorder. And so he, he's not really known who we've been for, for probably a better part of a year. And so, I mean, our prayer over this past year has been, come on, God, just take him home. I mean, he loves you. He's 81. He was born in 1933. That was a long time ago, right? And so he's been a great father, a great husband. And, uh, and so our prayer has been, God, you know, his time here is done. He's lived well. And so when we got that call from mom on Saturday, there was a part of us that was sad, but there was also a part of us that we knew that, 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 uh, that this was a great gift that God was giving to our family and, of course, the gift that it is to him to step into, into paradise. And so, uh, so we came here last Saturday night and, uh, and, and, and had church with you guys, and then we, I rushed to Richmond and Vanessa, and the kids came, and, and so we got to be there with him. And, uh, and then he didn't end up passing until uh, Monday night, just before... 10 o'clock. He's tough. No food, no water, frail. And uh, for three days, uh, we had that bedside vigil. And, uh, you know, there's times where if you've ever been in, a, in, a, in, a, you're, you're in those moments, you're waiting for that last breath to come. And there was times where we counted uh, up to 20 seconds where he didn't take a breath. You know, we thought this is going to be it. And then he would, you know, take another breath. It was like, I'm not ready. You know, I'm not ready to go. And, and, uh, and so it was, it was sweet because my brother was in California and he was trying to figure out, am I going to come? Am I going to stay here and come later? And so he finally decided I'm going to hop on a plane. He hopped on a red eye. And, uh, and so we sat down uh, by my, my dad's bed. It was, uh, it was probably around 930 and, uh, and we're able to say Nathaniel is on his way. Uh, and he passed within about 20 minutes. It was like he just, he needed to know that his family was, was, was going to, uh, to be together. And so as, as we were sitting there over those couple of days, you know, one of the things, I thought about a lot of things, but one of the things I, I, I was struck by is that, uh, that all of us, we're going to be there one day, right? I mean, at some point, it might not look like it did for him, but, but we're all going to be there. I mean, there's going to be a day that comes. For my dad, it was, it was, it was November 24th, that, his last day. And, and, and we're going to be in a place where, where our physical bodies are incapacitated. 
the, the eternal part of who we are, right, that, that does not become frail. Hopefully that part of us is growing and thriving throughout our lives and becoming stronger and stronger. And so, you know, we were talking as a family and talking with our kids about that, that, hey, even though his body is, is dying, he's never been stronger in his life. He's never been more vibrant, the part that we can't, the part that we can't see. But that's going to be our journey one day, that we're going to get to that last day. And one of the things I was struck with is that when we get to that place where our bodies are, are, it's time for them to cease to exist, that we are not going to be able to do anything about the regrets that we have. Because I have regrets. I, I, I know you have regrets, right? I'm your pastor, I know a lot about your regrets, right? We, we, we all have regrets, mistakes that we've made, mistakes we're making right now we have regrets and at some point and one of the one of the, and this is the myth the devil whispers in our ear is that oh you can worry about that later right? and we just keep pushing that stuff down the road but at some point there's not going to be any more road left right and and we're not going to be physically capable to do anything about the re regrets that we have and so one of the things that i've just been praying over these over these last uh this this last week for myself personally is god help help me to figure out the regrets that I have now that I'm supposed to do something about and, and let it be that you would give me the courage to begin to engage those regrets and for whatever ability I can to make those things right, to make those things right. And God, and this was my other prayer, God, help me to not to stop adding to my list. Help me to stop adding to the list of, her, of, the, of the regrets that I have. My dad was not a, a perfect man. He had his flaws, but he did not have many. And, and I think he came to the end of his life with very few regrets. And, and what a gift that was for him, the example that he is to me. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you with that tonight because, because I know all of us at some point we're going to get there. And, and if you call this your church home and me as your pastor, I want to be somebody that challenges you. Do something about the regrets that you have today and do something different in your life to stop adding to those regrets tomorrow. And I want to do that. And this is part of us loving each other, challenging each other, right? We talk about if, 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 if we're friends with each other, that we're going to be willing to have those kinds of hard conversations with each other to challenge each other so that we can get to the end of those days and, 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 and take those regrets and make them as, as few as possible. So for us and uh, for, for our family, and then for me personally, what I've been sharing with the governance team a lot over this past year uh, mainly is, is, uh, is that I know one of the regrets that I have is that I believe God for too little. This is just part of my personality, right? I'm not a risk taker. I'm measured. You know, I'm a, I was a business economics major. I want the math to add up. And, and, uh, and, and, and uh, before coming here, this was our first lead role. And so my role at the church we came from was the, was the I did all the office administration, adult ministries, and pastoral care. But, but part of my role for the business of the church was to tell them what was possible based on the resources we had. Does that make sense? Because you got to have somebody in the room that's letting you know whether or not you're about ready to take a step of faith. And so, and that was me, that was, that was what, one of my responsibilities. Not to say whether or not we should do it or shouldn't do it, but to say, hey, this, is, this isn't the step of faith that you think it is, or it was to say, hey, this is a really big step of faith based on, and so that was, it's, it's been kind of ingrained in who I was. And so I've just been sharing with that, and if you've been with us for any amount of time, I've been talking with you about that, that I want that to change in me, right? I wanna, I wanna be a person that believes big and dreams big because we know that God is a big God and he's got big things for our church. We might be small in the scheme of things, but that doesn't mean we can't have a big impact, you know? And so I wanna start thinking that way. I wanna start dreaming that way. I wanna start, 
praying that way. And that's part of this 2020 vision that's been, kind of been birthed out of this own personal journey that I've been on and then sharing that with a governance team. And we've just been getting excited about it. And I can't wait that we get to talk to you all about it at the end of, of, of January. But, and I know that, that for some of you, that might be one of the things that you struggle with is that you just believe God for too small. You just believe God for, for too little. And so I'm just going to invite you, if that's part of your journey, go on this journey with me this coming year. Say, I'm going to think bigger. I'm going to dream bigger. I'm going to pray bigger. I'm going to believe bigger. That This is part of the series of hope that we're in. If there's not the opportunity for disappointment, then there's no opportunity for hope. That's part of what hope is, is when our dream is so much bigger than what we think is humanly possible. And so we're going on that journey together as a church. I'm going on that journey personally uh, as, a, as a father and a husband, as a pastor. And, uh, and if you're one of those people, I just, I hope that you're going to say, if you've been like me in your whole life, you've been measured. If you've been one of those people in your whole life that you've been a little bit timid and shy, God's not going to change your personality, right? He's not trying to do that. But, but, but don't ever let your personality, like I've done so often in my life, become a justification to believe God for less than who he is. Don't do that. Don't make that mistake that I made. We're going we're gonna to work on getting that regret out of our lives. And so God gave us, when we moved here in 2009, an opportunity to experience disappointment. And, and, and we've talked about this story before. Is, uh, is the, the home that we bought, we realized, was built with toxic Chinese drywall. And so we've been on this tragic financial journey over these last uh, several years when, in uh, 2009 when we moved out of our townhome. And so we were finally able to short sell that thing a, a couple of years ago. And, and, uh, and so that same year that we short sold, it was the first year that we did uh, a really big faith promise here. We've been talking to the church about faith promise for some time now. Faith promise is one of the ways that we fund projects like this. It funds our missions work and many other things, but we are gonna be asking uh, people every year when we get into January and February to pray. God's gonna give you a number. You're gonna believe by faith that God's gonna provide it. And when he does, you're gonna give that money to faith promise and that's gonna do uh, our, fund our missions. And so we told a story just this last week, uh, last weekend. If you remember, you were here. We told another faith promise story and I shared last weekend that our faith promise story hasn't happened. Well, ours happened just yesterday. And so the timing, I know the timing of God is so beautiful. Timing of God is so beautiful. And so uh, when, when we, uh, uh, just a couple of years ago, we were doing faith promise. I shared the story with you then, but if you weren't here, just for other people, just to catch them up. So we were doing faith promise and I felt like I knew the number that that, uh, that I wanted to, uh, to give as, as, as a faith promise. I was, we were going to do $1,000, and that was a big faith promise for us. We didn't have an extra $1,000 laying around. If you do, I'd like to talk to you at the end of the service. And so, right, so, so, and this is what I felt like God said to me. This is what I felt like God said to me was, was that's all the faith that you have? That's it? That's, this is a faith promise, Fred. Not a, right? It's just a thousand. And I was like, God, that's all the faith that I have, you know? And, and, and so I don't have, this is, and so this is what I felt like God said. I felt like God said to me, I want you to have faith for $5,000. I was like, well, God, I don't, I don't have faith for $5,000, right? I have faith for a, a thousand. But this is part, this is this journey that I've been on of God saying, hey, Fred, you've got to stop believing. You think too small. You believe too small. You pray too small. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. And so uh, Vanessa and I talked, and we said, hey, what do we have to lose? Right? It's a faith promise. We don't have to put our name on the paper. Nobody knows what we're going to do. We talked to you about this, right? Nobody calls you. It's not a pledge drive. It's just between you and God. That's it. 
And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. And that's God's responsibility, not yours. That's why it's called a faith promise. And so uh, we got to uh, that year, uh, about into the summertime, I forget which month it was, that uh, we were finally able to short sell our townhome. And part of the short sale process, which we didn't know was going to happen, they ended up giving us money that we didn't know we were going to get. Uh, it was a $4,000 check that we had no idea we were going to get that money. And, uh, and so we set that day. We were like, that's our faith, our faith promises right there. Now, now it was $1,000 less than the faith promise that we had made, but it was four times as much as any faith promise that we had ever made in our life. You with me? And so we learned something that year, that we would rather not have the satisfaction of seeing our faith promise completely fulfilled and believe God for more and give more than have the satisfaction of a faith promise being fulfilled and believe God for less and give less. And so when we got to this year, when we got to this year, Vanessa and I looked at each other and said, can we go backwards, right? I mean, is that even, like, is, we've seen God do it before. Let's just, let's believe God big one more time. Like, and we're, so we're just going to do it year to year, like you're going to do it year to year. But this year, we just said again, we have no idea where that money is going to come from. We thought maybe that there could be some other checks could come in related to the, the Chinese drywall journey that we've been on. But we don't know how much those checks are going to be. We don't know what that's going to look like. And then we still have things in our life that are financially upside down because of those things. And, and, so, uh, and so our faith promise had not happened yet. So, so we were uh, in Richmond uh, yesterday afternoon and, and, and all evening. We had to stop in Williamsburg on the way home. I kid you not. So, right, there's, the world is always trying to steal your joy. You with me? And you've got to decide whether or not you're going to let them take it. And so you just have to make a decision. I'm not, I'm not you cannot have my joy, right? I'm not giving it away. And so uh, we were uh, getting ready to sit down for Thanksgiving dinner. And one of the kids came in and said, Dad, you've you're got a flat tire on your car, right? And so, uh, and I knew they were going to have to be changed when we got the inspection done in February, but I thought I was going to make it all the way to then because that's what guys do, right? I'm going to get one more right mile out of that tread. And so, so, so the, and then somebody else came in and said, it's not just one flat tire, both your front tires are flat. I was like, well, are you kidding me? It's Thanksgiving, right? How do you get two flat tires in one day? I still think it was Pastor Christoph because I beat him in a couple of go routes in the family football game, but so he's, but he's not coming clean. He's not confessing that. So, so, yeah, so there we are. We're in the house, right? My car is out in the street, two flat tires, you know, on the rims, just sitting in the road. And so I just, right, I had to make a decision. I'm not giving up my joy, right? It's a car. It's got, it, it's going to need tires. And we have AAA because, yeah, because I'm a little bit lazy. And so, and you only carry one spare tire anyway. So what good would that have done, right? So that was, so we said, you know what? When we get up, in the, we're, not even gonna, we're not even worrying about today. We're going to borrow Vanessa's mom's car. We're going to go home, take Mike and Heather's kids like we had planned, do a big sleepover. I'm just, when I get up tomorrow, I'm going to call AAA and they'll take it to some place and they'll put tires on it and we'll just pick it up on the way home, right? So, so that just all, even that, just the world is always trying to steal your joy. And, and so we just, we pick up the car and we're heading home. We just grab the mail as we're going into the house. It's late. I don't remember what time. It was late last night. And we see this big uh, uh, FedEx envelope is there. And uh, with, with, you know, this like law office name on it. And so uh, we, we open this thing up and sure enough, there's a letter in there from the attorneys that are representing us all in this journey. And, and there's about four settlement checks that are, that are in this envelope 
that's, that's twice as much as what we had any idea that we were going to get this year. And, 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 and we're thinking, here's our faith promise right here. Here's our faith promise right here. It's, and so I, I'm just, I'm sharing that story with you. I'm sh- now you can say, you can be the cynical person that says, well, Fred, even if you hadn't done that faith promise, it, that would have happened anyways. You, you, you can live your life thinking that way. I'm going to live my life thinking a different way. I'm going to live my life thinking a different way. You know, there's a lot of things I believe that God is going to do in our life because he loves us, that we never walk in. We don't have to earn it. It's not, it, it, it's not there's not a causal relationship. He's a perfect father. There's a lot that comes to us just by way of grace. But, but through the journey of life and over 20 years of study in this book, I believe there's also a lot in this book that says there's a lot that comes our way because of the way we position our lives. There's a lot that comes our way because of how we pray. There's a lot that comes our way because of what we do. And I'm telling you tonight, if you make a decision to live your life, to always have less so that you can give more, you'll always have more than enough. If you live your life that I want to have less so I can give more, you will always have more than enough. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. And as they do, I want to read these verses to you and then we're going to Sing and then let you go back to your fridge full of leftovers. Praise God for leftovers, huh? And I'm all about, I might change my whole view on pets if I can eat them one day. I didn't even think, right? Come on, no? Okay, right. Well, that's a great story, right? I want pets, I can play with them, and when I'm hungry, I can eat them, and I know, all right. Might have to get a pig after all. This comes out of Romans Chapter 10, I'm going to start reading in, uh, let me start reading in verse verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. And as the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect, which means everybody in the world. To a Jewish person, there, there, were, there were Jewish people, and, and then the rest of the world who were Gentiles. So, so, so Paul here is saying, hey, everybody is the same. You call out on the name of Jesus. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him. And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Here it comes. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. I'm sharing that with you tonight because that's part of what Faith Promise is all about. It's about having a pool of resources available here at the City Life Church so people like Manny and Abby and Donna and David and all these other people that were on this team who feel like God's calling them to go, we always want to be in a position as a church to be able to send them. Not so they can go on a trip, not so they can have an adventure, but so that these words can be true in this house.
There are people around the world that God is going to call this church to reach. It's our job. It's our responsibility to take the name of Jesus into those places. And what we're saying tonight is God, find us faithful. Find us faithful. So I'm going to have everybody stand in just a minute, and we're going to sing this song. We're closed. But I don't, don't stand yet because this is what I want to do. Don't stand yet. Don't stand yet. We, we like some moments where you got to demonstrate some courage, right? We're a little bit rowdy here at the City Life Church. So if you're here tonight and you would say, you would say, there's going to be two ways that I'm going to ask people to respond. If you're here tonight and you would say, Fred, I'm one of those people. I think too small. I believe too small. I pray too small. I want to do it different this year. I'm just going to invite you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. Just stand. This is just your way, right? I'm just saying, I'm going to do it different. I'm going to do it different. And this is the other thing I'm going to ask you to stand. You might already be standing. Then you, for this one, you can raise your hand because you, I'm not going to make you sit back down. Right? If you're here tonight and you would say, I, think, I appreciate what Abby shared when she got up here. I don't know if it's that community, but I know God is stirring in my heart to go somewhere in the world to carry the message of the gospel. If you're here tonight and you're saying, I don't even know what it's going to look like, but you just believe in hearing them share tonight, I think God wants to use me to go to communities like that somewhere in the world. I'm going to invite you to stand where you are. Just stand where you are. If you already stand, you can raise your hand. Father, we just pray for all the people that are standing tonight. We pray for people that also are standing and have their hands raised. And our prayer for them, God, is to let the gift of faith well up in their heart that they would believe for you bigger this year than they've ever believed before. They would pray prayers that they never thought they would hear coming out of their mouth. That they would dream bigger dreams. That they would reach farther, go farther, and live bigger, God, for your name's sake. And for the people here that, that you're stirring their heart to carry the message of the gospel into the places of this world that many people they never want to go. Father, we pray that your, 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 your spirit would Psalm 119 them, that your word would be a lamp unto their feet and a light unto their path, that you would show them the way, that you would begin to show them the practical steps that they can take to make their lives ready to be sent. And Father, let it be, come on, everybody stand with me. Let it be that as a church that we would always choose to have less so that we can give more and that there will always be more than enough here at the City Life Church, God, so that we can be a Romans chapter 10 congregation and send people all throughout this planet to carry the gospel in Jesus' name. Come on, let's worship together.